0: Welcome to the DJI Preaching and Ministry Podcast, your source for all things preaching and ministry from the Jenkins Institute. This is your host, Jonathan Sanford,
1: and now your friend Jeff and Dale Jenkins. We are in Medill, uh, Oklahoma today. We are, Dale. We're involved in a uh, conference for young preachers, and uh, preachers who have been preaching just a few years, and we've had a a great couple of days and got another day to go and it's just been a real blessing to be with these uh, wonderful guys who are preachers and we're, we have a, a very special guest with us today. Well I'll let you go ahead and introduce him but uh, make sure you introduce him and not me. Okay our guest today is Dale, uh, not Dale Jenkins but uh, Dale Hubbard. Dale is a um, longtime gospel preacher. He's currently serving as an elder uh, with the Union Church in Uh, Alabama, and North Alabama. Dale's been a good friend of ours for many, many years, and Dale isn't just a preacher and an elder, but Dale is an expert when it comes to ministers' finances, and he is an accountant, and he's done taxes for many ministers through the years. One of our sessions in this conference has been about uh, ministers and their money and about taxes, and so Dale, thank you for joining us for this uh, retreat, and thank you for joining us for the
0: podcast today. Thanks so much. It's an honor to be a part of the Jenkins Institute and be with you guys again. Look forward to our time this morning.
1: All right. Well, we've done today, and our listeners will know we've asked the participants in this uh, uh, conference that we're involved in to send us questions, and so we're going to take some of their questions, feed them to Dale, let him. uh, This is stump the accountant today. And we have quite a few questions, and so uh, we might not get to cover all of them. And Dale, just uh, some of them may require lengthy answers, but maybe just give a, an overview and, and uh, we'll talk about other answers at a later time. Can you give them Any legal mumbo jumbo that alleviates that you of any
0: responsibility for actions taken from your answers before we go? Consult your local tax advisor to compliment any answers that are given here. I am totally unliable for anything to say. <laughs> All right.
1: Okay. All right, Jeff, go ahead. All right, Dale, I want to start with the first question here. Uh, Is it better for a congregation, a church, to treat a minister as an employee or a contractor? And what do you see as the strengths and weaknesses of each of these?
0: That's... A semi-complicated question, but I'll try to give a rather simplified answer. In most cases, they need to treat the minister as an employee, as a dual status employee, because to truly be an independent contractor, you need to hold yourself out to several different People or institutions or churches or whatever. So, most, there's about a 20 question test that determines whether you are an independent contractor or an employee. Most ministers, if they're only working at that one congregation other than doing meeting work and things like that, they would qualify as an employee and should be treated as such. So, you said there was like a 20 test. 20-question test. Right. I did not know there was going to be a test today. Well, the, the IRS has it. I didn't bring it, but we can look at it online. All right, next question. If you,
1: as a minister, were to put extra income, like uh, meetings and wedding, uh, compensation, things like that, toward a tax-deferred retirement plan, does it still count as
0: taxable income? It does still count as taxable income, but depending on where you put it, whether you put it in a 403B or an IRA, Uh, it's going to kind of wash at the end of the day on your tax return. I think it's a really great idea. It's one of the things that some guys do is they say, okay, I'm going to take all my extra income, I budgeted just based on my regular uh, income from the church, and I'm going to take my meeting income and things like that and put that toward a retirement plan. It still has to be treated as income, but also you're going to get a deduction if you do a 403B plan or if you do an IRA. So it's a good thing to
1: do. So, Dale, you talked earlier in our conference about uh – Ministers who choose to sign an exemption from Social Security. And the question is, if a minister has signed a tax-exempt form, opposition to Social Security and Medicaid, but wishes to receive those benefits later in life, uh, what measures should be taken to begin paying in and receiving those benefits?
0: You can go to the Social Security uh site on the internet and you can look and see what those are but very briefly you have to have at least 40 uh, quarters 10 years paid in uh, of some amount of income to the social security before you qualify once you get those 40 quarters in you will qualify for some amount of Social Security benefits. If you hadn't done that very long, or if the wages weren't a lot, it's obviously gonna be limited to some degree, but you would qualify for Social Security, and you in all likelihood would qualify for uh, Medicare as well at age 65. And and I would encourage people also, call your Social Security office too, just to confirm those two things, And, and you can get a copy of your records by going online to see what credits you do have towards Social Security.
1: No, this is a, a real practical question and one that a lot of young preachers really struggle with. Uh, how, how do you approach the, the leaders, the elders of your congregation uh, about uh, financial issues, about uh, about financial strain that you might be facing as a minister? How's the best way to approach that?
0: Good question. The first thing I encourage people to do is... is... Before they even take a job, is to talk to them about the expectations on both sides and, and make sure that what you're going to agree to is something you can live within. And then, should circumstances come to pass after that, special circumstance, or you just miscalculated, hopefully these are godly men, goodly men, compassionate men. And just sit down and explain the situation to them and talk to them about what your needs are. Lay the cards on the table and explain that, that there is a strain there. If They're good men. They don't want you strained with those kinds of things. If there are ways they can help, they can. But it's important to be able to do your homework first so that you don't agree to something that's really not going to work. And then when unusual circumstances come to pass, I found the guys in our brotherhood to really step up to the plate and do well.
1: So, Dale, I know that you are a big believer in budgets for ministers, and uh, somebody was asking this question, and uh, and you probably can't give a full detailed answer, but generally speaking, what should a
0: a minister's budget look like? minister's budget shouldn't look a whole lot different from... Uh, anybody else's budget. The first thing obviously you do is is what, what money do I have coming in? That's pretty well settled. Uh, as we talked about in one of our sessions last night, pay God first, your contribution to God. Make sure you've got savings. Get an, act, get an adequate amount, three to six months of, of living expenses, set up savings. You may be saving for a car, you may be saving for a house. Uh, make sure you have a retirement plan. Look at the needs. Look at the things that are absolutely essential. What's it going to cost to run a household? What's it going to cost to run an automobile and all of those things? Uh, life insurance. Health insurance is a really important thing. And, and then put some, put some measure in there. Put some space in there for unexpected things because it's, it's hard to plan right down to the penny. Go back and look for five or six months and see or maybe a year what have I spent? Where did my money go? That's a great place to start a budget. So that's kind of the generic things that that I would say about putting that budget together. So
1: what what would you say are maybe the two or three biggest common mistakes you see that ministers make in in their finances and uh, that that really gets them in trouble?
0: Taxes would probably be one, not anticipating those, or maybe being set up on a quarterly uh, estimate system and not sometimes being able to make them getting behind and the second one I see is and I may misread it but it seems like there's a mentality that you know maybe I should work for less and and maybe this is not a not an adequate amount of money but but I'm doing God's will and somehow I'm making a good sacrifice in this way but at the end of the day, the grocery store charges the same thing to preachers it does to everybody else. Utility companies do. Uh, everybody charges the same thing. So there's a there's a place where we're on the same plane with everybody, and just make sure that, that there's some room in there. Make sure that you don't take the job too cheap.
1: So, Dale, can I, this question is uh, about uh, housing. A lot of preachers have questions about housing can a church write a check to you and then you write it back to them for your parsonage and, and
0: it be exempt from taxes? The suggested way I do that is just to number one, have a, comp- a written compensation agreement with the church and just to designate an amount for housing. You don't have to write a separate check for housing, but uh, just designate that amount. And then the church is out of it from there on out. The, the rest of it comes between the preacher and the tax return. Then it's the preacher's responsibility to determine if they met or exceeded the housing allowance. And if they did not uh, meet uh, the expenditures, then they have to add back. But that's between them and the tax preparer. So what I normally do is, is you can include the, the housing allowance in the regular compensation check that the preacher gets. You don't have to separate. It's not wrong if you do, but it's just easier not to. So, so then there's a, a similar
1: kind of question. Uh, can the church write a check directly to the IRS and uh, it not be counted as income, or can they make a payment directly to the IRS and it not be counted as income?
0: No. If the church is writing a check on your behalf, then it's treated as it would be treated as compensation to you. That's a really good question because sometimes people say, well, what if the church just paid something directly? What if I needed a new car and the church just went out and, and paid for the car rather than I paid for? Well, that'd be a really cool thing to do it. you get them to write all your bills and you have zero income. But if they pay something on your behalf, it's still, con- it's still considered compensation and has to be included in it. So let's Even talk a little bit. Record. You spent some time
1: talking to these guys this morning about, about gifts and everything. Let's talk a little bit about uh, gifts and, and how far we can go and what exceeds the limits of gifts. Uh, you know, they Use your car, for example, to start with. Uh, church comes up and says, listen, uh, you, you do really a really lot of work for us. We appreciate so much what you've done. And because you do so much work for us, we want to give you this as a gift.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, does that? How does that work? Uh, since they're your employer, do you, is that, I mean, how does that work? Great question. Gifts can get into a really gray area because the difference between a gift and compensation is basically have you provided services for this? In all likelihood, and, and you, you might go to five auditors with that question and you might get six different answers. But in all likelihood, if the money comes, if the money comes from the church, it's money that has been contributed by people who've received tax deductions. Most auditors are probably going to call that compensation rather than than a gift. Gifts are, generally speaking, going to come more from individuals. We had this question in, in our session. Uh, if, if a sweet little lady gives you $10,000 and says, I really yeah, like you. $100,000. 100000 100, I like that number better. If she gives you $100,000 and says, I really love what you do. I really like you know, what you do for the Lord. And I just want to give you a gift with no strings attached. That's a gift. That lady is not obligated to compensate you. You don't work for her. She's not getting any goods and services in return. She's not really getting a value for what you're doing, particularly to her. Hopefully, she gets something out of your lesson. So that's a gift that is not taxable. Generally speaking, your gifts are going to come more from individuals. What the church pays you, if it comes through that treasury, there could be exceptions. But generally speaking, those are going to be treated as compensation (coughs) Buy the IRS because they're going to hook that up to what you're doing. Even going back to your car deal, if they say you're doing a really good job and your car's worn out, uh, we're going to give you. It's almost like a bonus, and bonuses are taxable. But if that little old lady said, "I'm going to give you a car," the little lady says, "Here, go down to the dealership, tell them what you want, and send me the bill." Uh, that is completely. Good. All right, Look so, for the little ladies. Okay. All
1: right. So, uh, so Dale, if, if you make extra income, say from, uh, speaking at a seminar or, or a gospel meeting or performing a wedding for somebody and you put that toward a tax deferment retirement plan, does it still have to be counted as taxable? Good
0: income? question. Is it taxable income? Can you sense, can you still reroute that money? And the answer is, yes, it's still taxable income, but you're going to get a tax break when you put it in a 403B or you put it in an IRA. It has to go through the proper channels. You can't just directly put it into the 403B or an IRA. If you get it, and just kind of the general rule is, if you get it, it's got to be counted as income. Now, if you go... If you send it out through a tax deductible means, like a 403B or an IRA, then you're gonna get a credit and they're pretty much gonna offset. But if it comes in, you gotta treat it for as income. You can offset that by putting it in in some kind of qualified tax plan.
1: So just so our listeners know, uh, you no longer do taxes for ministers, everything, so you're not trying to drum up business or anything. And that kind of comes into this next question. Uh, the, the questioner asks, is, uh, is something like a program like TurboTax adequate for preparing a minister's taxes, or should I be going to account it, even if I'm relatively up to
0: speed on how to do my taxes? For the large majority of ministers, I would as soon remove my own appendix as I would do my own taxes. I don't know if that adequately answers the question or not, but uh, unless you spend a lot of time with that 10,000 pages of code and keep up with all the changes, some of the best money you will spend in your life. It is an investment, it is not an expense because it will be worth so much more. If you still feel like you slept at a Holiday Inn Express the night before and you can do it, go for it. So Dr. Hubbard, we wanna thank you
1: for joining us today. And as we close, I I wanna ask you, you mentioned last night in a session about um, you gave the top 13 things for ministers about finances and I'm not asking you to go over the whole list, but first two or three just briefly because those were so vitally important for our life. I think you talked about paying God first, but just mention those
0: Yeah. It uh it all belongs to God first and, and for us to, to you know to, to be good stewards is is really critical. Uh, and these things are so simple. Spend less than you make. If you're out go exceeds your income, your upkeep's gonna be your downfall. Uh, pay God first, pay yourself second, uh, keep a good emergency fund, don't shortchange your family on health insurance, and you know, all I'm getting past two, plan for your yeah, retirement, you, yeah, you, you've gone so uh, I'm doing Alabama accounting now, so, uh, but but yeah, it's just, they're simple, but they're challenging, I mean, it's it's like a lot of things in the scripture, the, the concept's simple, but but there's a challenge, and it requires effort, and it requires us, you know, really putting some time and, and energy into it. Great having you with us. Thank you for being a part of
1: First Years and for being a part of this podcast with us today. Dale, we appreciate you very much. And, and we, our prayer is that this uh, podcast will be helpful to all the guys who are listening. If you have uh, specific questions that you'd like to ask us. Don't then, send them to us. Uh, send them to the Jenkins Institute at gmail.com and we'll send them to your local IRS government agency. And uh, if uh, you have questions about ministry, uh, we'll we'll try to answer (laughs) them on our podcast. So thank you for joining us again today. Hope you'll be with us uh, next Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock for our next podcast. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you as our prayer for you.